Tonight, we join with thousands of years of Christians. It's traditional for Christians to prepare our hearts and minds to commemorate the death through crucifixion of our Savior on Good Friday. We do this via spiritual disciplines, such as prayer and fasting, as well as by meditating on scriptures that help us reflect on our need for saving grace and on God's provision of it through his Son. That is also why we've included in your bag of celebration the clear egg containing the cross, the purple ribbon, and the stone. If you have not already, please get the clear egg out of the bag, open it, and gently remove the cross from it. This cross is a symbol for tonight, but let it not be limited to only tonight. Use this small wooden cross to remind you frequently of the story that changes our lives. Use it as a reminder to pray, a reminder to stop and think, a trigger to refocus when you feel overwhelmed. Allow its peaceful presence to draw your eyes up in spiritual focus. Jesus first, everything else after. Tonight, we will be focusing on the cross, and specifically, the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. These are also known as the last words of Jesus. They will offer us a powerful framework for our time together tonight. Hear them and meditate on them. These brief statements, scattered across the passion narratives in the four Gospels, were uttered by Jesus during his final hours of earthly life. Taken together, the seven words create a moving summary of the life of Jesus, his divinity and humanity, as well as his goodness, mercy, and love. Meditating on them is an ideal means for preparing ourselves to celebrate the glory and joy of Easter. Watch him as he is taken before Rome's delegates in the city of Jerusalem. See him standing before Pilate, rejected, dejected, bludgeoned, beaten, spat upon. Behold him who created the heavens, the Lord of the universe, suffering the most horrific, gruesome form of torture that was ever invented by the human imagination. Observe him, hanging on a wooden stake, dying a slow, hideous death, covered with blood, naked, mocked, and shamed. The Messiah has become a public spectacle that elicits the spine-chilling, gleeful laughter of Satan himself. Watch death, the child of sin, emerge from the pit. With open arms, it darkens the wood of the cross and takes the Prince of Heaven into its silent, hopeless domain. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do.
Luke 23:34 The word of forgiveness At the cross Jesus is mocked to the point of being accused of saving others but not being able to save himself Hidden in that accusation and mockery is a gem of remarkable truth In order to save us he refuses to save himself The cross is not what God inflicts upon Jesus in order to forgive the cross is what God in Christ endures as God forgives. Forgiveness is beautiful in theory, but far more difficult in practice. Rather than forgive, we entertain angry, vindictive thoughts in response to the smallest slight against us. Yet Jesus taught his followers that we must love even our enemies, pray for those who persecute us, and forgive those who sin against us. And after he had been beaten, whipped, spat upon, mocked, and nailed to the cross by Roman soldiers, Jesus asked his father to forgive them because they did not know what they were doing. In one sense, of course, they did know. They were carrying out a brutal form of capital punishment. At the command of the Roman governor, but they didn't understand that they were killing the Son of God and what that meant. Nevertheless, even from the cross, Jesus modeled the radical nature of love and forgiveness that he taught, not just as an example, but also as an encouragement to us when we're conscious of our sin. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23:43 The word of salvation All four gospels mention that Jesus was crucified between a pair of criminals but only Luke adds that one of the men turned to Jesus in faith during his final moments and that in response Jesus promised him they'd be together in paradise that same day the Greek word Luke uses to describe these men is kakurgos, literally evildoer. They weren't petty crooks, but hardened felons who, unlike Jesus, would have been considered worthy of crucifixion under Roman law. And yet, God worked in the heart of one of these criminals to call out to Jesus for salvation, which he was granted. This monumental act of grace is a comforting reminder that the door of salvation remains open, even for the worst offenders in their final hours. It also demonstrates the deity of Jesus. Even on the cross, he knew what was going on what he was accomplishing, and he had the authority to grant salvation to anyone who came to him for it. From Matthew 27, Mark 15, and Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, 
but I find no rest. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks up to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots from my garden. The word of abandonment. This is one of the only seven words recorded by both Matthew and Mark, and the only one recorded in Jesus' na native Aramaic language. Matthew renders it, Eli, Eli, lemma sabach tenai, and Mark, with a slight variation in dialect, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabach tenai. They both translate it as, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, already abandoned by his closest friends, had been on the cross for hours when he uttered this heartbreaking cry. It is also a direct quote from Psalm 22, in which David prophesied about the sufferings of the coming Messiah. On the cross, Jesus bore the awful punishment for all the sins ever committed by his people. And for, only the, and for the only time in all eternity, he experienced his father's righteous wrath and abandonment. Even though he knew he would soon rise and regain his loving relationship with his father, the horror and anguish of the moment overwhelmed him. No wonder that just a short while earlier he had prayed in agony, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It is finished. When Jesus had received his drink, he said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. The word of triumph. The crucifixion is not a defeat overturned by the resurrection. The crucifixion is a victory revealed by the resurrection. It is the victory that allows us to call this day most horrible Good Friday. Knowing that his atoning work was complete, that his ordeal was almost over, Jesus drank that sour wine on the sponge and exclaimed in triumph, it is finished. There's a sense of joy and a, and a release in his cry as Isaiah had pro prophesied 700 years earlier, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied that his knowledge will be, shall be the righteous one. His servant may make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. As a man, Jesus rejoiced that the awful suffering was nearly over, but as the divine Son of God, He rejoiced even more than any human can comprehend. He, he had accomplished the mission given Him by His Father for which He had been sent into the world. It was a mission planned before the creation of the universe, a mission to redeem 
a people from their sin by His death to the glory of God the Father. Father, into Your hands I commit my spirit. Into Your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. The word of reunion. Jesus' final word before His death is a, a statement of confident resignation to the will of the Father. It's also a quote from Psalm 31, yet another of David's prophecies that foreshadow the coming Messiah. Throughout his time on earth, Jesus demonstrated his dependence on God the Father, both in words and in actions. As a member of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, along with the Holy Spirit, have enjoyed an equal, loving relationship for all eternity. But at the right time, the Son laid aside His glory, humbled Himself, becoming a man dependent on God. The dependence extended until His final breath when He commended His Spirit into the Father's hands. It's a sublime moment in which Jesus voluntarily relinquished His life and a model for how we should trust our lives to God, even in the face of death. But more than that, it's also an ecstatic moment in which Jesus anticipated His reunion with His Father. It's the fulfillment of His desire from His high priestly prayer when He prayed, And now, Father, glorify me in Your own presence with the glory that I had with You before the world existed. The glory which You have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, and You and me, that they may be perfected into one that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you love me. Having died for our sins, Jesus would soon be raised for our justification and ascend to the right hand of the Father from where he rules and continues to intercede for us. Throughout church history and across Christian traditions, Good Friday today is a time for sober reflection on our sinful shortcomings, but it's also an occasion for encouragement as we ponder God's mercy and love for sinners such as us, expressed through the sacrifice of His Son. To that end, the seven words of Jesus from the cross, they form a microcosm of everything He came to do and be for His people. As a meditation on Good Friday, they provide a a small roadmap for our hearts and minds, helping to prepare us to enter into the joy of our Lord on Easter. Please take a moment now to consider where you stand in your relationship with Jesus. We'll move to communion. Consider where you have strayed. Confess and seek forgiveness. Now, Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. 
set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open us to a future in which we can be changed and grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. Luke 22, starting at verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the bread. Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you for the gift of your pain-strained body. Holy Spirit, thank you for the gift of your transformation and forgiveness. Take and eat. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for our regeneration and for the promise of our sanctification through your work on the cross by the power of the Holy Spirit. May we live well and wisely within your new covenant grace. May we both delight in and display well the love of our Savior. Take the cup. One of my favorite parts of the communion liturgy is hearing the assurance of pardon. In the silent moments where I am confessing and pondering where I stand with God, letting Him know the sins that I have before Him, I hear the good news in that same time that my sins have been absolved by Christ. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, starting at verse 1, therefore, <laughs> therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Feel that for you. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now walk in your forgiveness. We're going to sing one more song, one final song tonight, and then we're going to close with a video, and that will be the end of our service. And we look forward to joining you for the conclusion of this momentous weekend, really the Sunday morning at 10 a.m. part, and I look forward then to celebrating with you. Then, for this we know. <laughs>